We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Pod. We're presented by Underdog. We're presented by FanDuel. I am Nick Whalen, joined as I am every Wednesday morning by our guy Brandon Kravitz down in Orlando. Uh, Brandon, a lot to get to today. We'll, we'll talk about some fallout from last night's five-game slate. Obviously, touch on Joel Embiid. Give you an update on where his MVP odds stand. Uh, let's say they've taken a tumble in the last 12 hours. Uh, and then we'll give you a preview uh, of a big Wednesday night slate, talk some all-star, and of course, take live viewer questions over the second half of the pod. So get those questions in the chat. We will hit those over the final 20, 25 minutes or so of the podcast. Got to take care of some business first. Underdog Fantasy, number one platform for NBA best ball and DFS player pick'em contest. If you have not tried Underdog yet, new users over at Underdog get a free first-time deposit bonus up to 100 bucks and a free six-month subscription to Rotowire with the promo code RWNBA. That's RWNBA. So if you deposit 100 bucks, you get $100 to play with on Underdog. Pretty good deal. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app today and use that promo code RWNBA to claim your free Rotowire subscription and that deposit bonus. FanDuel, tackle millions in prizes all playoffs long in FanDuel Fantasy Contest, there's one playoff game remaining, and it's in like a week and a half. So hurry up on this one. If you're new to fantasy, there's no better time to get in on the action because right now, new customers get a 100% deposit match up to $100. Playing fantasy for huge cash prizes on FanDuel is fun and exciting. Just draft your lineup and watch your team move up the leaderboard. Plus, on FanDuel, you can choose from full slate contests with multiple games, single game contests, season-long best ball, beginner-only you can set up your own contest with just you and your friends. Basically, whatever you want to do, uh, you can set it up over on FanDuel. And when you win, you will get paid instantly. So kick off football season with a 100% deposit match up to 100 bucks. FanDuel.com. Start playing today for huge cash prizes. All right. That was a lot of talking to begin the episode, Brandon. Uh, let me ask you, how are you? What's going on in your life? I am doing great. Um coasting along i feel like the month of january has lasted uh three full months uh i can't tell you exactly why i think it's just you know you try and ramp yourself back up it takes a couple of days maybe even a couple of weeks and um 
and then before you know it, the month is over. So this is uh this is where I'm at. That is that that's my old man take of uh, I think as you get older, you just feel like you feel like t- sometimes these months just drag along, and uh, you'll see, you'll get there. I you know I, how old are you? I, I can't be that much younger than you. I'm 38. Okay, I'm 31. So all right, yeah, I guess I guess technically, if we're going you know by by that scale, technically an old man. There's probably people watching being like, no, not at all. Um, I would. I th- that I one's you on YouTube that, though. Be you look like a young 38. I would have guessed like 34. That's great. Thank you. I appreciate that. But no, I feel good. The weather has been amazing here in in Florida. So I mean, the fact that I'm I'm wearing a sweater, uh, I get to mm-hmm. I get to rock these about you know, four times a year. So, um, always a good time. Yeah, man. I, I escaped to Arizona last week. Uh, actually, That's right. Like right after you had a big trip. Pod, so yeah, man, we, uh, played a lot of golf out there, played 54 holes in two days, which was fantastic. Um, played, played like the worst two holes of my life to start. And I, I had like a mini panic. Like, did I just forget how to play golf? Like it was like embarrassingly bad. Like I, you know, pulling out my seven iron and hitting the ball like 35 yards. So maybe that's what happens when you haven't swung in a month and a half. You get off a plane, the range is closed, and you just have to walk up to the first tee when you're paired with two strangers and, and just tee it up and, and see how it goes. Um, but, yeah, we I'll, I'll tell you off air, Brandon, uh, I will just say we were paired up with the wildest two-man duo I have ever played with in my life. Um, like in a fun way or in a can-I-be-with-anybody-else kind of a way? Uh, in a fun way, I guess, uh, for them, in a – uh, in, in a dangerous way, in some ways for us, it was, it was nuts. I mean, they were, they were nice guys, but let's just say they were, they were doing some things on the course that uh, I would not ever partake in or advise. So uh, that made for an interesting experience, but uh, the next day was a lot wow. more chill. You know, we, we played, we got paired up with like this 70 year old guy who spent his whole life working as a land surveyor in Alaska. Could not have been more chill. Could not have been more of just a classic golf guy. Um, where, where do you stand on that? I know you're not as big of a golfer as me, but I am a staunch, I do not want to be paired up. Like I wouldn't, I would never be that guy. That's like, Oh, you know, you run into somebody and you're like, Oh, just join our group. Like, no, I, w- I want to either be by myself or with my friends. I am with you 100%. It is one of, and, and this is probably a not good, not a good reason to, to stay away from the course, especially in the state that I live in where they are readily available and the weather is usually accommodating for it when it's not raining. But that's one of the things that keeps me away from the course. I don't have yeah. friends that I would routinely go golfing with. So, and I have no problem going by myself, but I live in fear of being paired up for a day with somebody that I don't know. And by the way, so the weather has been so great. I did go out to the driving range last oh. week. I am not a golfer. I own, I have a, a golf set. It was handed down to me. I have never purchased golf clubs in my life. And I thought, you know what? These are pretty crappy. I'm going to go into the clubhouse and see if I could get myself no. a driver. I'm going to get myself a new driver. Yeah, you I pay $800? Yeah. The, I, I said, so how much is this one? And the guy goes, $5.99. And I'm like, there's yeah. no way you're paying $5.99. So I was like, I meant for the just that club. I'm not talking about yeah. the whole bag. And he said, yeah. I don't know how yeah. you golf do it. That is insane. I know. I know. I don't want to spend too much time on golf. I, I will say I'm not, I'm not like a big equipment guy. I, I'm not a, you know, upgrade the driver every year. It's a, uh, you know, on a need basis. I don't, I, I would love to, you know, someday be in that position where I can, you know, drop 10 K on clubs every couple of years. Well, but. Can I, let me ask you something before we get to the very important basketball news As somebody who has purchased clubs. 
you know, I, I think you probably do well for yourself, but you're not a millionaire, you know? You don't, you uh, don't know that. <laughs> that is true. I don't, technically have no idea what you've got in your bank account. But when you, when you first went to go make that purchase, yeah. were you just like, forget it. I know that this is, this is going to cost a lot. I'm going to deal with mm-hmm. what I have to incur here and then live with it. Or did you like go the back channel Craigslist Facebook marketplace route? How did you make that? Because that would be really hard to make that jump. Yeah. Yeah. I I am a bargain hunter. So I did not, I definitely did not pay full price, but I I didn't want, I didn't want like, you know, I bought a new driver last winter. So I, you know, you get the end of season sale, you buy a model year behind, right? Basically right after the new models come out, they'll drop the previous models by like 200 bucks. So I, I think I paid 300, maybe 350 for a one year previous model driver, a ping. Um, and it, it was worth it to me. I mean, I play enough golf that it was worth it. Um, I've had my irons for a long time, like, you know, seven, eight years at this point. So, um, you know, that's, I, I have trouble spending a lot of money on, on basically anything, but golf is where I will, I will make uh, an exception to okay. that rule. Um, all right, let's Thank talk some Joel Embiid here. We, we got a good question in the chat and this pertains to what we wanted to talk about. Um, obviously if you were watching in the late window last night, uh, you saw Joel Embiid writhing in pain shouting out in pain as Jonathan Kaminga kind of jumped for a loose ball. There were actually a couple of these. Draymond got tangled up with Embiid earlier in the game, kind of dove at his knee. I don't think that was malicious. I know there were some tweets going around of like, oh, Draymond wasn't going for the ball. I actually think he was. Embiid just kind of tipped it away at the last second. Uh, So, you know, obviously Draymond doesn't really get the benefit of the doubt, but in that situation, I I don't think he was in the wrong. Uh, But Kaminga, you know, kind of landed on Embiid's knee, just one of those freak plays where to me it looked like you know, Embiid's knee kind of got smashed into the floor. He's going to get an MRI today. We will see. Um, it certainly, to me, it didn't look that bad in person, but you never know. Either way, uh, Joel Embiid is very much in danger of dropping out of the MVP race. And, uh, you know, our guy Matt brings up an interesting question here. Is the 65-game minimum rule for NBA awards helping or hurting us in fantasy? Mm. I feel like it's forcing players to play hurt and play fewer minutes. I think everybody had that thought last night, right? Where Embiid ends up playing, it almost feels like he was pressured into it, right? Like all the tweets around uh, the NBA world yesterday are like, man, if he misses this game, he's only got four left before he's, he's ineligible. I don't know how much that factored in for Embiid. You know, obviously he's missed time already this season. You know, he missed a couple of games before this. He won MVP last year. I don't know if it's as important to him this year as, as it was a year ago, but it, this is an interesting kind of rub to this NBA rule, which I, I was in favor of, right? I, I think, you know, the resting and, and whatnot had gotten so out of hand the last couple of years that it felt like the NBA had to do something. And, you know, one of the unintended consequences now is like, if you're a borderline player like Embiid, who has the numbers to be the MVP, are you now pushing to stay in contention when maybe you shouldn't be out there? Uh, what, what, what say you? Yeah, uh, I say good. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to see anybody get hurt. But what you just explained of a guy feeling pressure to go out and play, Good. That is what you're supposed to feel when you're a professional athlete. You're paid handsomely to do it. There are fans that are dying to see you in attendance and your teammates need you in every other sport. We applaud that in the NBA. We've gotten to the point where we go, man, it's like caution over everything. And I'm so tired of it. I see it all the time. So yeah, it, it's unfortunate that we are in a season where the clear-cut MVP is Joel Embiid, and yet he probably won't end up eligible for it. That stinks. Maybe they can go back and, and change the 
the requirement, maybe 65 is too much then um, disqualifies people that would still be worthy. Uh, but uh, overall, the like the pressure that it puts on players, I think, is a good thing. And the league is winning in that regard, even if a player did get hurt. I tend to agree with that. And, you know, it's not like Joel Embiid came out in the first quarter and, you know, is hobbling around and his knee's clearly an issue. Like he, you know, he, he obviously limped off after the, the Kaminga play, but that was, you know, that, I don't think that had anything to do with the previous knee injury. He just happened to get his knee kind of landed on, right? Like, I, I don't I, I don't know if we can draw a through line on that one necessarily, but, you know, it certainly felt like Embiid, you know, he's aware, he's on social media, he's aware of what people are saying about this. I... You know, I, I I don't know that we necessarily need this hard disqualification. Like, you cannot win MVP if you play 63 games. Like, I just – I wonder, like, how many people are going to vote for Embiid if he puts – you know, let's say he finishes at 58 games played with these numbers and the 65-game rule is not in place. Like, I, I do think in general, if you miss that many games, you're probably just not going to get votes anyway, you know? Like, obviously, mm-hmm. Embiid, you know, he almost won Rookie of the Year playing, like, 29 games his first year. But that was a unique situation. I think he was going up against like what Malcolm Brogdon and like Michael Carter Williams or something. Um, I, I think with how competitive MVP is right now, like if you have like Giannis, Luca, SGA, Jokic, if those guys are all playing around seventy games and Embiid plays fifty-four games, I just I think it's going to kind of work itself out anyway. So we'll see. The NBA has always been flexible with this stuff. I don't think this is just something that's set in stone now no. forever. But speaking of Embiid's odds, uh, a, a week ago plus 120 to win MVP after last night, he's now 15 to one. I, I wouldn't bet it. I would not bet it. Like the chances of him missing no. five more games the rest of the way, you know, could, could happen in the next two weeks. Right. And yeah, I mean, there's no way you can bet Joel Embiid right now. He's got, there's too much time left in the season. You got the injury still set to get an MRI. He could be disqualified with just this diagnosis. Never mind whatever is to come in the future. At the end of the year, if their seating is set or they're comfortable where they're at, they could bench him and get ready for the postseason. Uh, he has what six games left to miss? Is that I believe that's the number? I, he can only miss six more. Five games. or six, because he obviously he played I, last yeah, so, night. Yeah, so that's, that's not five. that many. Um, we're not even at the All Star break yet, right? Uh, but this is this is the reason why the NBA wanted to set a specific number. You're right. If you missed a certain number of games voters are going to use that against you but they're i think that the nba is trying to say let's not put mm-hmm. the pressure on the voters here let's get the right. players back out there cuz the i think we would all agree the number one issue the nba has over the last couple of years is load management and they're just trying to come up with different ways where they can mitigate that and they yep. came up with this rule and they came up with the you can't uh you can't bench two all-stars in a nationally televised game, which is so goofy. I know. I mean, never mind the fact that, like, the other day, we had the Nuggets and the 76ers go back to Embiid. Embiid was announced inactive 15 minutes before tip-off, as was uh, Tyrese Maxey, who isn't an all-star yet. So, technically, the 76ers didn't break the nationally televised rule, but come on, they did. It's just that technically, by the letter of the law, they didn't. I think mm-hmm. the I think the NBA, not to get too far off track, but they need to adopt more of an NFL rule where you know for a fact, 90 minutes before kickoff, who is available and who is not. None of this, oh, he went around, he, he did shoot around 
five minutes before tip off and we decided that he's not good to go in a freak accident. Yeah. Okay. But you got to get away from that. It's just, yeah, it's, it, it's tough. It's tough for people in, in our world and you can't shy away from it. If you're going to show us gambling ads during your product, then you kind of have to cater to that audience. Fantasy yeah. and sports betters are kind of left out in the lurch when it comes to this stuff. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, of course, if Kevin Durant slips on the floor five minutes before the game starts and twists his knee, like in that situation, of course, he's not going to play. But no, I, I would not be surprised if, you know, a few days from now we get the, you know, some sort of nominal fine for the Sixers for the way they handled the Embiid situation. At least Maxi was on the injury report. Uh, I think I think the big issue is that Embiid was cleared from the report. Nick Nurse said pregame, yeah, I think he's going to play. You know, uh, I, I have no reason not to believe that. Like, I, I don't. I don't even think Nick Nurse was complicit in this. I, I think he actually thought Embiid was going to play. And then, you know, like you said, 15 minutes before tip-off, he ends up being scratched. So, yeah, at least got to put him on the report. You got to put the possibility out there that he could not play. Um, for sure. We will see, again, MRI coming for Joel Embiid today. If we get any news, you know, in the next half hour or so, we'll, of course, pass that along. By the way, um, if I can break in before we move on, I, I I found an interesting stat. I was curious, just did a quick Google search on this. The least amount of games played by a player to win NBA MVP. Uh, you'd actually have to go back to a time where we didn't think this was an issue at all. 1998, or maybe that was a strike year. Maybe that was, that was the reason. Yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. 49 games played by Carl Malone. Okay, scratch that. Yeah. Of recent memory, there, you've had... 
two players that have not hit the 65 game threshold that have won MVP Giannis in 2019 and LeBron James in 2011. Everybody else has played at least 65 games. Yeah. Well, and 2011 MVP. was also a strike year, right? Where the season started late and I think it was a 66 game season. Oh, right? there you go. Yeah. yeah. So, You're right. Yeah. There, so Giannis is, so really it's one, uh, and Embiid won last year. He, he met the threshold. That rule yeah. was in existence. He played 66 games last year. Yeah. So yeah, maybe um, this is and this is important information to know when you start to form your own opinion of what the NBA should do. Sixty-five looks like a pretty good number because yeah. we just don't have a lot of examples of guys winning the MVP outside of strike seasons. Apparently, uh, well, that even, play less than that. Even the honest example, I think that was the COVID shortened season when they played seventy-two games, right? So I mean, there's just there's really no precedent for it in a in an actual eighty-two game season. Oh, so, geez, yeah, you're I, right. Right. Yeah. So they're great there's, recall, there's really by no, the way. Well, look, I uh, I follow the NBA. Let's let's just say that. Um, good point here, too, before we move on by Matt, uh, that Tyrese Halliburton could lose 40 million in bonus money, uh, which I agree with Matt. I mean, I, I we saw it last night. I mean, this was kind of a crazy move. Pacers were down big to Boston. They rally back in the third quarter. It was like a three point game. And then we get an announcement with a minute left in the third quarter that Halliburton is on a minutes limit and will not play the rest of the game. Pacers ended up keeping it close. Uh, you do wonder, of course, do they win that game if Halliburton plays? And it sounds like that's going to continue uh, for at least a few more games. And you got to, you know, in order for Halliburton to get that $40 million bonus, he needs to make all NBA. And you can't make all NBA if you don't play at least 65 games. And you also, the other caveat here is you have to play at least 20 minutes per game in those 65. So there's, there's kind of like a minutes uh, threshold that's tied into this as well. Um, anyway, enough load management talk. Uh, I want to talk about the Knicks real quickly. They're down two starters. Uh, they're down Julius Randle, I, I would think, at least through the All-Star break. You know, I, I think it's actually, as far as good timing to dislocate your shoulder, you know, when you got an eight-day break uh, built into this timetable, kind of a good time for it to happen. Um, you, you would hope he'll be back in late February. They've been without OG and Anobi for these last two nights as well. Played a back-to-back -back on Monday and Tuesday. Came away with two wins over Charlotte and Utah, uh, we've, we saw them, you know, start Precious Achua next to Isaiah Hartenstein, Josh Hart moved into the starting lineup. Dante DiVincenzo has been on fire these last two games, 28 against Charlotte, uh, and then nine three-pointers last night in that win over Utah. Um, and as we expected, you know, Jalen Brunson has, has obviously been the, the heart and soul of this team all season, but without Julius Randle stepping up to an even larger degree. And, um, you know, Achua is somebody I was telling Alex on Monday, I paid up for him. In, in stake league, I, you know, I think I put five or six bucks in uh, out of a hundred dollar budget, which is dwindling for me as this year goes along. I'm really hoping that pays off. You know, if I can get a, a month of a precious Achua, you know, giving me 12 points and, and eight rebounds and a couple blocks per game, I think that's going to be super valuable and play 40 minutes last night. Yeah. Tom Thibodeau bigs are always going to be a factor. Uh, just the way that they play that kind of clang and bang style and precious Achua is a big physical body that can take advantage of situations like this. Surprise. The rebounding totals haven't been higher, but I love what you're seeing in terms of the scoring department. And I don't blame you um, helping to keep a, a red hot Knicks team afloat. It's amazing. Sometimes you get these teams that they just catch fire and it almost doesn't matter who is in and out of the lineup. They have uh they just have it rolling right now in New York, and they're solidifying their spot. They're they're playing so well. They're they're probably going to end up a top four team in the East at the end of the day. Yeah, they have not missed a beat, man. And you know, I, I think when you lose someone like Randall, 
you're not a better team, but I think they could be a better defensive team without him. And you know, I think the the benefit to losing a player for like a month as opposed to a season-ending injury is you get more reps for some of these guys who you're going to need later in the season, right? It's like, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing. It's like, all right, Preston Achua, this is your time. You're playing 35 minutes a night for the next month. Josh Hart, you're doing the same. He played 43 last night. I mean, that's, part of that is just Tibbs being Tibbs. But, you know, you're, you're getting guys a little bit more seasoning. You know, obviously they, they've had to – you know, hand some more minutes to Jericho Sims. Miles McBride has been in the mix. Quentin Grimes playing more minutes as well. And I think that could pay dividends later in the year, um, you know, when, when, when push really comes to shove. Um, let's talk a little all-star here, Brandon. And, you know, we had the starters announced this past week, Thursday. Giannis, Embiid, Tatum, Halliburton, Lillard in the East. No major surprises there, although I, I thought it would be Brunson over Lillard. I thought narrative-wise, it's really felt like Brunson's had the better season. I, I thought he was more deserving, to be honest. Um, but, you know, it's Damian Lillard. You can't really quibble too much about that. In the West, LeBron, KD, Jokic, Doncic, SGA. Uh, again, no surprises there, although, you know, I listen to a ton of pods and, and read a bunch of stuff, as you do. <laughs> I was surprised how many people are like, yeah, I, didn't, I, I think LeBron might not even make the game. You know, it's like if he had not been voted in, uh, which, you know, he was the leading vote getter for like the, it feels like the 20th year in a row. Um, I think there were people that were prepared to leave him off given where the Lakers sit in the standings. But uh, we knew, we knew in the West specifically, the battle for the starting spots would be insane. You know, obviously Kawhi Leonard, super deserving. Uh, I, I think he's a shoe in, uh, you know, to, to make it as a reserve, but it's going to be really, really interesting to see where those spots end up going. I mean, we're going to have like six, seven, eight guys in the West who, I would say in a quote unquote normal year uh, or maybe a, a more diluted NBA would be shoe ins for this. Yeah. The, uh, the snubs list articles are going to get a lot of clicks this year. Cause oh, yeah. we're going to have some good ones, I think in both conferences, but certainly in the West, uh, the NBA media nerds, and I'll put us in that group too, have to remember what the all-star game is all about. LeBron James, as long as he is playing well, will be an all-star until the day he retires as yep. he should be. He is what the all-star game is all about. And that's why I'm not going to quibble too much about him being a starter. But if you wanted to get technical with it, then his teammate should be the the um, the starting front court player that represents the Lakers, not him. Anthony Davis has played more games. He's got better averages. He's a better defender. Um, so Davis, to me, would be the starter. But it's LeBron James, so I think we should all quickly get over that. What happens with some of these bench guys? And, do, and for the... Similar reasons, even though it's year one of his career, can you find a way to wedge Victor Wimbanyama into the All-Star game? It's, it's no. probably There are probably not enough spots, but, I mean, his numbers are ridiculous, and his popularity is off the charts. So when you start to combine those things, uh, statistically, it's not crazy. And in terms of the notoriety that would, it would bring to the game, which is what it yeah. is all about at the end of the day. Um, I, I wonder if he becomes part of that conversation. He's in the conversation, no question. I just think it's too competitive this year for somebody on literally the worst team in the Western Conference to get in. I mean, he has the numbers. He's been as advertised. I think in some ways he's been better than advertised. If there was ever a rookie who was going to do it, and in general, like even the best rookies have a really tough time making the all-star games like, you know, LeBron had as much hype as anybody coming in. He didn't make the all-star game his rookie year. I don't think it's happening. I, I just, I, I don't think you can justify it on a 10 and 37 team, which is not Wembenyama's fault by any means. I, I think he had to be, I think he would have had to be voted in and he was, he was eighth in the fan vote in the Western conference. And look, you know, it's LeBron, Jokic and KD. It's like, those guys are going to outvote him no matter what, but 
I just, I, I think it's too competitive. Um, you know, you look right now, it's like Minnesota, they have three deserving all-stars. I think they, I think they might only get one. You know, I think Edwards makes it. I don't know. I mean, Gobert will get some votes. He could be maybe the last guy in. I don't really think Towns has the, a ton of support right now. Uh, you know, Jamal Murray is deserving in Denver. I don't think he gets in either. OKC, you know, there's been some Jalen Williams all-star buzz. You know, obviously Chet Holmgren is, is in the mix as well. I don't think either of those guys make it. I think Kawhi and Paul George are deserving. Uh, I mean, Kawhi for sure. And, you know, I think Paul George has actually been super underrated so far this season. I think both of those guys get in. I think you have to choose one of the Kings guys. It's probably Sabonis for me. Yeah, I, for I sure. Hope, I hope both of them make it. I think they're both deserving. But then you get into, you know, Devin Booker. Kind of feels like he's going to get a spot. Anthony Davis is going to be a reserve. You know, Markinin, Shangun. And then I, the really interesting one to me is Stephen Curry. I will be shocked, shocked if Stephen Curry is not selected as a reserve. But this is the shakiest case he's had in his, in really in his entire career, dating all the way back to like 2012. Yeah, uh, but it's still Steph Curry. And right. he is, it. he is helping. He is the only reason why that Golden State Warriors team is still afloat. Look at what he was able to do last night. Knock down eight threes. It's not like this guy's going anywhere. So Curry's, a, I think Curry is a lock to be an all-star. Anthony Edwards, I'd put him in that conversation as well. Yeah. Um, do you get both Clippers guys in? Because then that opens up a spot. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, probably both all-stars. Devin yeah. Booker it would be a lock. And Anthony Davis. And so you really only have about two spots to quibble about when it comes to right. all those other names <laughs> that you just mentioned. Yeah, so my locks would be Davis, Kawhi, George, Curry and Edwards. And that's that's more when I say lock, that's like what I think will happen, not necessarily who I would pick, although I would have those guys. Um, so you're right. It's it's really two spots for, you know, I mean, we haven't even talked about James Harden, who I think is absolutely deserving. And, you know, the Clippers surging to 30 and 15 and, you know, knocking on the door of the three seed in the West, I think helps his case. Again, I don't think the Clippers get three, but wouldn't surprise me. Again, Harden deserving. So you get you got two spots for, you know, Harden, Kyrie. Fox, Sabonis, Booker, Murray, Shangun. If you want to throw Wembenyama in there, you can. Towns, Gobert. I, you know, I don't think Jaron Jackson really has a case. Obviously, nobody in Portland has a case. Um, you know, New Orleans is an interesting one because you know they're they're sitting in eighth right now. They're five games over five hundred. I just I don't I, I don't think anybody's had a, a good enough individual season. You know, Zion's been good, Ingram's been good, McCollum's been good, Val Juice has been good. I, I just I don't know if any of those guys have the statistical case. Right. Yeah. And you, I mean, the NBA would love to get Zion in the all-star game, but there's yeah. the, uh, there's just way too much competition for that. It is tough because do you, do you look at this through the lens of it's just simply the most deserving and that's it. That's the yeah. period end of sentence, or is it most deserving with the most fan appeal? This is still <laughs> an all-star game. This is not right. an all NBA list. And that's where I go back to somebody like Wimbenyama. If you're trying to tell the story of the first half of the season and do it with the biggest stars that have played well enough to where it's not a joke if you let them in, like it would have been if Jeremy Lin was an all-star back when he went off with the Knicks. Right. That's where I'd have a hard time leaving Wimbenyama off if I were among the folks that vote for this. Um, yeah. the, the, but, but Sabonis... Um, <clears throat> I think Sabonis should be in both of the Clippers guys. So it really comes down to that, like that go bear spot. There, there's really one spot for me where I have no idea what they're going to do. And it would yeah. be between uh, Rudy Gobert, um, 
Sabonis, De'Aaron Fox, Victor Wimbanyama, Lori Markkinen. Like though that would kind of be yeah. my group. I think I don't think Markkinen ha- quite has the case. Um, you know, as fun as the Jazz have been for the last month, I if if, if he's had a rough really few games as from, of late too. Yeah, I would I would rather see Fox with Sabonis in. I think those guys are are deserving. I don't think he could really knock the team record. The stats have been incredible. I mean, it, it just it really feels like both of those guys are having All Star caliber seasons. So that's where I would lean. The East to me, I'd, I'd like to say it's a little more straightforward. But I, I still think those like those last two spots are also going to be interesting. You know, I think like Jalen Brown's in, Jalen Brunson absolutely has to be in. Then you're at seven, Donovan Mitchell, eight, Maxi, nine. That is where I draw the line as far as guys that have to be in. After that, you know, did, did the Heat get somebody? Is, is it Adebayo? Is it Butler? Uh, you know, both both guys have kind of missed time. I, I would probably lean Adebayo. It feels like Miami gets one. Um, you know, Paolo Bancaro. Think, I think he's got a chance here. Uh, you know, I think if we had taken the vote like a month ago, he would be a lock. Um, but I, I think he's got a pretty good chance. You know, DeMar DeRozan's in the mix. Trey Young, <laughs> I have no idea. Like, he he, he finished pretty high uh, in the, you know, in the initial voting. He was fourth oh, among yeah. these cards. Number two, number two in the fan rank. Number six in the player and the media rank. So that's ultimately what did him in. But, um, you know, Trey Young's still very popular, uh, despite being a little more polarizing in, in NBA circles. And then you got, you know, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam as a couple of guys who could sneak in as well. Yeah, I, I think Paolo gets in as as somebody that is um, like it's, it's easier to slide him in without debate with that Julius Randle injury. When I was looking yeah. at this, we've talked about this a lot on my sports show in Orlando. Um, how does Paolo get in? Because there's a, there is that clog with the seven bench spots. Mm-hmm. Julius Randle getting hurt, I think, opens that door wide open and and then yeah you have that debate about the heat guys jimmy butler is the bigger star i still think that matters so i'll use the same argument jimmy butler is one of the it guys in the nba he's had a good enough year to this point to be an all-star without making a mockery of it so you put him in tyrese maxey has been amazing this season so if he's healthy um you go ahead and throw him in there as well trey young I mean, Trey Young got the fan vote. That has to matter. That stuff has to matter. But, I mean, I think DeJounte Murray has been a better player this year. Um, yeah. But th- that that stuff, when you're when you're into coin flip mode, the fan vote, I think, should matter a lot. And if fans want to see Trey Young, then Trey Young should be in the All-Star game. Power to the like, fans. Uh, the people, I, Nick. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the team success thing is going to be as big of an issue in the East because, you know, I think it's pretty pretty obvious like who's going to make it from the good teams. And like you said, Randall might. You know, Randall could get in, and then you know that spot rolls over and becomes a replacement. So it's you know kind of a wash as far as somebody like Bancaro, you know, whether he's actually technically in or just is the replacement for Randall. Um, but you know, it's like Indiana's not getting more than one. I don't think the Sixers have a case for anybody besides Embiid. And Maxi, you know, Jared Allen is in that discussion. You could you could say maybe Brooke Lopez for the Bucks. I, I don't I don't really think either of those guys get in. I think Allen probably would get in over Lopez. Um, and you know, obviously Miami doesn't necessarily feel deserving of two. And you know, Orlando, well, Franz Wagner, don't think he's quite going to be an all-star no, this not. season. Um, all right, let's uh let's answer a few questions here. Keep those coming in the chat, guys. We will uh continue to hit these as we finish up the pod. Mal says trade KD question mark we've gotten a lot of you know should i trade durant should i trade davis should i trade lebron you know even steph curry has come up in that discussion some of these veterans who've been injured in recent years 
for the most part, you know, across the league, I think this has been like a best case scenario health season for a lot of guys who've been shaky in recent years, like Kawhi, Paul George, they played as many games as possible. I think LeBron's only missed like four or five games on the year. Last night was only Anthony Davis's third missed game of the entire season. Uh, KD's only missed seven. You know, he hasn't had one long absence. It's been two games here, two games here, three games there. Um, and he hasn't missed a game, you know, since January 5th. I, I would probably continue to try to ride this out with KD. I mean, if, you, if you're trading him like any elite player, you got to be getting – a pretty big package back, right? Like you're either trading him straight up for another top 10 guy or you're packaging, you know, two borderline elite players and you're sending out Kevin Durant. Um, I, I would just say, you know, if, if you're putting him out there, if you're a Kevin Durant owner and you're, you're initiating that trade, aim high, aim high. Do not, do not start with like, a, oh, I think they'll accept this. Like, you know, go, maybe go a level up, make somebody say no. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, I do think Kevin Durant is saving himself a little bit for the playoffs, when you get to where he is in his NBA career, you know what the regular season is. It's just one giant tune-up, and this yeah. team is good enough to win the championship with the talent they have. So I see a Kevin Durant that he's playing, and he's actually played more games than the other two in the big three. He's played more games than Devin Booker. He's definitely played more games than Bradley Beal. But when they're all out there, I think he's comfortable taking a backseat role, and that can impact things in the fantasy department. But you know, you don't need to go selling that to the person that you're trying to trade with. So Nick is right. He's still Kevin Durant. You got to you gotta have somebody that's willing to pay the premium for him. Uh, our guy, Dethia, uh, over in Indonesia, uh, he said, you know, what, what up, Nick and Brandon? Shout out from Indonesia. I appreciate the, the global reach of the Roadwire Fantasy Basketball Pod. Uh, first of all, he said his golf set was handed down from his dad. No way he's paying for a new set. He's just a casual, on-occasion golfer only. Yeah, golf is crazy expensive, dude. Do you want a, like a nice full set? We're talking like five k. So uh, I'm with you on that. That's five k. I had no idea. I had no idea. Thirty eight years old. This is the, the year that I learned it costs that much to own a new set I mean, of clubs. We're talking. Well, you could get a nice set for cheaper than that. But if you want, you know, if you want the new Titleist set, yeah, it's going to cost you. Crazy. Aditya also asks on the basketball side of things: Is Paul Reed now a must grab? I, you know, I would obviously like to to wait for news on Embiid. If this ends up being nothing and he's back in the lineup later this week, yeah, their next game is tomorrow at Utah. Then they play Saturday against Brooklyn. They do have a four game week coming up uh, the following week. Uh, but yeah, if especially if you're in a, a somewhat deeper league, you know, twelve team or above, probably. You know, I mean, Paul Reed historically, it's like unless Joel Embiid's out, he can pretty much be ignored. Um, he almost never plays enough minutes when Embiid's out there for him to matter. But when Embiid's out, I mean, we've seen, you know, he had that big game against Denver over the weekend, 30 and 13 with two steals. That was really the game of his life, probably the best game he's ever played. Yeah, The numbers haven't been like fantastic in, in the other games that Embiid's missed. Like even factoring in that 30 and 13 game in 10 games that Paul Reed has started this season, he's averaging 12 and a half points, 6.7 rebounds, two assists, 1.2 steals, 1.3 blocks. Very good, you know, definitely good enough that you want him out there, but it's not like he's just a guaranteed, like, you know, 20 and 13 without Embiid every single night. So uh, if you're thinking Joel Embiid's going to miss time, and of course we don't know quite yet, uh, I would say, yeah, you know, I, I think in most leagues he's going to go, he's going to be scooped up. So if you don't grab him, somebody else will. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely worth being grabbed, but keep your expectations in check. If you're just going, and I know that was a nationally televised game, maybe we, we all paid a little bit more attention to that one collectively, 
against Denver, um, that highlight spot on ESPN, but that is not who Paul Reed is. 21 shot attempts in that game. The highest total he had reached in any other game this season was 12. Um, so the, there's just a volume factor that's not typically there. I don't know what got into those guys in Denver. They almost won that game, but um, just keep your expectations in check. But yeah, if Embiid is going to miss real time, I think you have to you have to consider him a pickup. Uh, Pedro says the Randall status is weeks, not months. But should we expect at least four weeks? Uh, I would say yes. I mean, we're we're not injury experts per se, but we. We've seen a lot of injuries over the years. Uh, you know, that's kind of how I, I came up at Rotowire is just, you know, monitoring the the newswire. You kind of get a sense for this stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's never a one-to-one comparison as far as, all right, dislocated shoulder, that equals X amount of time. But yeah, I, I think four weeks sounds about right. And that's factoring in the all-star break. Keep that in mind. So, you know, this week would be one week. Next week would be two weeks. Three weeks would be the week before the all-star break when the Knicks only have two games. And then that fourth week would be coming out of the all-star break when they also have two games, you know, teams resume play on that Thursday, the 22nd. Um, so I think best case he's back on the 22nd at Philly, uh, you know, worst case, maybe it's, it's like he's back for that fifth week at the end of February. Uh, but I don't, I don't think we're talking months here uh, for Randall. You know, I, I think teams, you know, sometimes they could be a little optimistic when they hand down a timetable, but I, I think, you know, if this was going to be a two to three month thing, I, I think they would have told us. So I'm, I'm going to, you know, base my opinion off that information. And and my guess is that he's back, you know, before the end of February. So either that, you know, 22nd, 24th, 26th, somewhere in that range. Yeah. And good news is a dislocated shoulder is one of those injuries that once it's healed, it's healed. You know, it's uh, it's not one of those things where you need a big ramp up period, um, like some of those soft tissue injuries. So I, w- I would say a month, definitely prepare yourself for a month. That sounds about right. Yeah, I, I think I think that's about uh, what I would expect as well. Um, all right, good question here from Abe. He's talking about a points league, and he asked, uh, quick question, LeBron James for Jamal Murray and Cade Cunningham. Who wins that deal? So anytime we get a points league question uh, on Mondays, Alex likes to point out, just do the math, right? I mean, points leagues, it can be a little bit more simple, um, you know, all leagues are different as far as, you know, what, what point values you assign for each stat category. Um, but in category leagues, you know, you're, you're worried about percentages and stuff like that. Um, in points leagues, it's just kind of add up the fantasy points. So, so far this season, LeBron James, this is going off of the like, official NBA.com scoring. He's at about 48 fantasy points per game in points leagues. Cade Cunningham at about 38. Jamal Murray is at about 38 as well. Almost exactly the same production as Cade. So, in that scoring format, that would tell you that Murray plus Cade is more valuable than LeBron. Mm, I'm skeptical, though, um, okay. because, you know, I we've seen enough evidence now over the years that LeBron is good for it. Um, Jamal Murray is great in his role, but this is very much Nikola Jokic's team, and Murray's stats can kind of rise and fall with what the team needs from him and Cade Cunningham plays on a Pistons team that we can't trust at all moving forward with how they're going to manage their business so I'm a little bit nervous about what you're taking on when you have LeBron who based on the ranking I'm looking at total points he's eighth in the in the league in in terms of fantasy points scored this year I'm just not trying to trade that away right now 
Uh, I know he's going to have his yeah. days where he doesn't play, but uh, it's LeBron James, and if he's if he's healthy, he's 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 playing. All right, we'll, we'll disagree on that one. I would take that trade. I think in a points league, I would do it. In a category league, I would think a little bit more deeply. Um, SFK13 says, hello from Australia. What do you guys think about Maxi for Jalen Johnson? Yeah, I know Maxi's cooled off a little bit. Obviously, he's injured right now. Jalen Johnson looks great. Um, I would still rather have Maxi. I, I think he's he's got a little more upside going forward. You know, we'll see if the Hawks make a change at the deadline. You know, there's a world in which Jalen Johnson you know, kind of becomes the, the number two. And maybe that's a little bit closer the rest of the way, but I I would still prefer Maxi. Yeah, definitely want to keep Maxi on my squad and and more of an offensive load that'll be on his shoulders if Joel Embiid ends up having to miss yeah. some extra time. So uh, he is like we just talked about a bona fide All Star this year. Um, legitimately love Jalen Johnson and what he's been able to do this season, but Tyrese yeah. Maxi's the guy. Should I drop Kaminga to take Ben Simmons off my IR today? 10-team head-to-head Yahoo Points League. Uh, Matt is currently in first. Nice. Props to you, Matt. And I'm in a close matchup with the second-place team. I was streaming that spot before I picked up Kaminga. So it's basically, who would you rather have, Kaminga or Ben Simmons? And, you know, obviously in deeper leagues, both of these guys, very rosterable. Um, You know, Simmons, if he plays like he did the other night, uh, even startable. I mean, Kaminga's been been really good lately, and he was good again last night against Philly, 26-7-2 with three steals and a block. So uh, I personally would stick with Kaminga. That is just me. Um, I don't really trust Ben Simmons at all to stay healthy. You know, again, he looked great on Monday, looked way better than I expected, especially after the long layoff. If he miraculously stays healthy, he's probably the better option in a points league, but I'm, I'm not really pumped down Kaminga right now, man. Last seven games, 25.7 rebounds, uh, 1.3 steals, about a half a block, 61% from the field started to shoot it much better from three as well. So this is a tough question, but I would, I would stick with Kaminga. Yeah. Hard to look away from Kaminga right now and what he's doing. Part of that starting lineup for a golden state team. That's trying to find life anywhere. And it seems like they've found it in a guy that they invested a heavy draft pick in just a couple of years ago. No chance I'm moving off of him. Like you said, Ben Simmons, maybe the least trustworthy player in the entire NBA. What exactly are you chasing? Um, that that Kaminga isn't giving you yeah. from from Ben Simmons. That's what I mean. A, right. a few more rebounds, maybe. Well, I mean Simmons again. If he plays like he did in a one game sample on Monday, he's a nightly triple double guy, right? I mean, what did he have like uh, just like uh, 11, 12, and eight or something like that? I mean, it's it's a debate. Uh, it just matters how much you trust Ben Simmons. In my opinion, is that I I do not trust him. Uh, David says, is Wiggins finally back to his old self and good to pick up? I mean, he's he is having his best week and a half of the season by a mile. Uh, put up 23 last night. Uh, that was his best scoring output since mid-December. Last five games, 18 points, four and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, a steal and a block. I'd like to see a little more before we we just say that he's like back. But, you know, there were rumblings early in the season that he, he showed up out of shape. You know, maybe he had to kind of play himself into that condition. I would say in like a anything bigger than a 12-team league, yeah, you could, you could definitely pick him up. And even – even in a 12 teamer, he probably should be rostered at this point. His, his roster rate is up to 66% on Yahoo. Yeah, feels like a rosterable player, but the the sample of him being really good again is very small. So I would be willing to cut ties if he dips back mm-hmm. to the seven, four, and one guy that yeah. he was not too long ago. All right, we'll hit a few more of these. I uh, got like two or three more minutes. We'll go rapid fire here. 
Uh, Crowd Silencer says, would you trade Giddy for Trey Jones? 10-team points league. Said he just can't be patient with Giddy anymore. I think so. Yeah, I mean, if 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 the Spurs, you know, they're finally kind of doing the right thing with, and having a real point guard out there, it's it's changed the calculus. They've been more competitive. Wembenyama's looked great ever since Trey Jones entered the starting lineup. I, I think I would I would go with Trey Jones. I think he's given you about the production you'd expect since he's been starting. He's playing almost exactly 30 minutes a game. You know, you could argue that Giddy maybe has a little more upside, but we just haven't really seen that this year. Yeah, and maybe Giddy gets more run if Jalen Williams is out for an extended period of time, but I also don't know what the timeline is on that. I'm with you. I like the 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 shakeup that Pop has gone with with this Spurs team and um and you know the assists are going to be there. That's what he specializes in and and uh and he certainly got a big target there down low. Will Clarkson or Sexton be traded at the deadline? Is it good to stash Keontae George prior to the deadline? Asks Albert. I think it's more likely that that Clarkson ends up being dealt. I think he's the guy they'd rather part with. You know, Sexton's played well um, for really most of the season, but especially the last month or so. Um, I think both guys have appeal, right? Um, it, it just totally depends what Utah wants to do. They're sitting in 10th right now, and that's going to be a dogfight for really those like 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 spots going down to the Warriors at 12. So if Utah, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they just stand pat and and kind of run with this unit. It's not like you're going to get a ton for Clarkson anyway. Um, but I, I think it's more likely of the two that Clarkson is dealt. Yeah, and, you know, I'm looking at Jordan Clarkson's contract situation. This is a guy that um, would become an unrestricted free agent after right. next year, of course, that helps in the trade department and and could also help the overall value that you get back if you're the Utah Jazz Colin Sexton has played himself into a role where I think he's part of what they would like to build their team around. That's how well he's been playing. But Clarkson does feel like the odd man out. And, and yeah, I guess that makes the second part of the, uh, the question uh, thumbs up in terms of stashing Keontae George because he would certainly be yeah. more of a factor. Yeah, two more years left on Clarkson's deal, but it's you know it's two for twenty eight, which is like a pretty big bargain at this point uh, with with where NBA salaries are going. So I don't I don't really see that as an albatross by any means. Um, all right, a couple more, and then we're out of here. Scarlet says Fox and Lively or Maxi. So would you trade Fox and Lively for Tyrese Maxi in a nine category league? Hmm. Um, struggle with that one. I think I would keep Fox and Lively. I think so too. Um, yeah, I mean, Fox and Maxi are like almost a dead even matchup if you're just looking at fantasy value so far this season. And, you know, Lively ranks a little bit lower than you'd expect. Um, you know, the free throw percentage kind of drags him down, even though it doesn't take that many. Um, you know, he wasn't blocking a ton of shots early on. But yeah, I think it's close enough between Fox and Maxi. Like, I think I maybe would rather have Maxi. But if you're saying that I have to give up Lively to get him, then I would just hold those two. Right, and I would I would think without looking at it, the that Derek Lively doesn't take a lot of shots that are that are far away from the rim, so he's not you know he's not hurting you in terms of field goal percentage. Yeah, Lively by the way out tonight. Uh, no Kyrie, no Luca, and no Lively for the Mavs as they take on the Timberwolves. Um, all right, two more. Scarlett also says Trey Murphy is he a hold in nine category leagues? Uh, the answer to me is how how deep is your league? 14 and above, maybe not, um, or maybe then I would say, yes, sorry, 14 or below or 12 and below, maybe not. It's been a little disappointing. You know, the, the Pels just kind of have too many guys in some ways. And, you know, he's still playing a decent amount of minutes, but, you know, the usage hasn't really been there. He's kind of three-point dependent. You know, he's he took 10 threes uh, against Boston on Monday. So it's like, 
it's just a matter of is he is he going two for ten or is he going you know four for ten or five for nine, which is is in the realm of possibility on any given night. The shooting has been cold lately. You know, he's under thirty percent in his last ten games, but I do think in general, and and Scarlett says this is a sixteen team league. I would hold him there. He's going to be picked up yeah, if you drop him for sure. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. this is a guy that does not get to the free throw line. Um, a, an amazing uh, outlier over the last month. He had a game against the Dallas Mavericks about 15 days ago where he shot 12 free throws, um, but not not a guy that gets to the line. And when he does, he doesn't shoot it at a high clip. So that, you know, that would hurt you. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just not what he was last year. I think they needed him to step up and play a bigger role. And, and that's just uh, not what is called upon this year because they've been yep. they've been fairly healthy. All right, here's a good one to end on from Pedro. Can you tell me your top three stash players based on guys you feel are going to be traded? Uh, so he gives us an example. He said he's holding Onyeka Kungwu, of course, hoping that Clint Capella could be dealt. I, Capella's going to be really interesting. Um, I think he should be traded. I think it would make a ton of sense. I, you know, it's like what team would be interested? It's like would like who needs a big man, right? Like would Golden State uh, entertain that? You know, obviously they've they've kind of been needy at center. Um, you look around at, at some of the other teams out West. It's like, I don't think the Clippers could really bring him in, but certainly they could use a guy like that. You know, OKC, uh, a team that would that would maybe use some center depth. But yeah, man, I'm holding a Kongwu in like every long-term league that I play in. I absolutely love him. I think that the time will come where that will pay off. They gave him an extension for a reason. So he's he's a pretty good place to start. I think the Hawks in general are a pretty good team to look at for, for later season value. You know, I think Chicago would be another one. It's like if Zach Levine gets dealt, you know, the obvious name, I guess, would be Desumu. But, like, even when he's played big minutes this year, he's been pretty disappointing. You know, he's just kind of like a worse version of Jaden Ivey to me. Um, but, you know, if, if you're handing him 35-plus minutes a game, you know, I think then he becomes valuable. So he'd be on the list for me. Um, you know, the Jazz, if they were to deal Jordan Clarkson, I don't – you know, it's like I guess we'd, we'd see more Keontae George. We kind of saw that early in the season. We'll probably see more yeah. Agbaji. We'll see more THT. I'm not really fired up about those guys. Yeah, it's it, you know it's tough to come up with a list on the fly of the of the stash yeah. candidates, but um, you know depending on on how deep your league is, if if Scoot Henderson is kind of on yeah. and off rosters, yeah. a guy like that, Malcolm Brogdon, I think is most likely going to get traded, and then you'll see Scoot get a ton of minutes after that. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. You yeah, I would throw, and this is, you know, deep leagues only. You got to see, it's like, you know, Nick Smith, who's a you know first round pick, uh, big time high school prospect, you know, somebody who kind of had like an up and down injured season at Arkansas. Um, if if the, the Hornets turn into fire sale uh, team, you know, Gordon Hayward, you know, Miles Bridges, basically anybody but LaMelo and Brandon Miller, I think could be on the table for them. You know, that's one of those guys that you could see maybe having a run at the end of the year. But, you know, I, I think he's probably a more effective real life player than fantasy. Uh, so you're digging a little bit deep there. There just there really aren't that many sellers. That's the thing, right? It's like I, I think in the West we just talked about. There's 12 teams that want to make the playoffs right now. It's like Memphis. They don't really have anything to sell, and they're basically down to their their young guys already. You talked about Portland. I think Brogdon's the obvious one. Scoot I think has his moment at some point later in the year. I don't think really the Spurs have much to sell. You know, no. Washington's kind of stuck where they are. Detroit. I mean, they're already down to Charlotte, their young guys too. Charlotte, Chicago, Atlanta, Portland. Those yeah. are probably your big sellers in the NBA. So if you just want to look at those rosters and see who would become available uh, yeah. or, or who would step up in uh, in, in the absence of, of who gets yeah. dealt, 
you know, you could look at that route. The, the problem that I have with getting too deep into the weeds with that sort of projection of who would step up in another player's absence when it's not someone that's obvious, like Malcolm Brogdon right. leaves, they, they drafted Scoot early, obviously they're going to give him that role, is you don't know who's coming back. And so right. you could stash a guy that ends up getting usurped from the guy that they just traded for. Uh, you just yeah. you never know how these rotations are going to bear out. So yeah. while it is a savvy thing to do to look ahead, I think sometimes we can uh, we can overthink it a little bit. Yeah, the last two names I'll throw out before we go would be both Thompsons. I, I think you know Detroit is is a, a team that has, for as weird as this roster is, you know they they have a couple guys that that you know Alec Burks, for example, Joe Harris, who's not really been playing for them, and then the most obvious one being Bogdanovich. You know if they were to part ways with him, you know that's thirty three minutes a night that become available, and I think I think we do see a late season Asar Thompson resurgence, and then Houston to me, you know they're on the borderline; they could sell. I don't think they'll be a buyer; they could just stand pat. But you know you got. Ahmed Thompson, you got Cam Whitmore, you know, both guys have, have looked pretty good when they've had yeah, the minutes. Cam has looked great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. They trade, I don't think they really trade Dylan Brooks. One, I don't think there's a market for him. Two, he just signed a contract. Um, you're not, you're not trading Jabari Smith. Um, I don't think they're trading Jalen Green. You know, that was out there early in the season, but he's played better lately. It'd be kind of, kind of crazy to punt on him, in my opinion. But, um, you know, do they thin out that depth at all? You know, it, it's like, you know, Jay Sean Tate, somebody like that. Uh, you know, Jeff Green, a veteran who's been playing a decent amount of minutes, um, even just removing like one of those guys from the clutter, I think could could help Amen Thompson. And even if they don't make a trade, I think we see more Amen down the stretch, especially if Houston falls back and you know, they're they're just kind of hanging around the playing zone. Yeah, you forget what kind of pedigree Amen Thompson had, right? I think the injury early on clouded, you know, kind of felt like he got off with a slow start. It was basically because he just didn't play in November and December. And, right. you know, there's, I think, sky high expectations for this guy. So both Thompsons, our guys that I would keep an eye on as well. Brandon, good stuff as always, man. Uh, always appreciate, love doing this pod with you. Every single Wednesday, you can find us at 10.30 a.m. Eastern right here on this stream. Uh, your Magic, they're on the road right now. They're they're at San Antonio tonight. Uh, they, they play at Minnesota on Friday. So I know you got a little bit of, of time off as far as being at the arena, but enjoy those games, man, and looking forward to doing this next Wednesday.